0: Welcome to Last First Date Radio, featuring interviews with experts in dating, relating, and mating in midlife. And now, here's your host, Sandy Weiner.
1: This is episode number 453 with Maureen Scanlon, what you can learn about relationships from your pet. Hi everybody, I'm Sandy Weiner. Welcome back to Last First Date Radio, where we believe a woman of value naturally attracts the respect she deserves in life and in love. So if you're looking to build up your confidence and show up more authentically in your life, I wrote a book just for you and it's called Becoming a Woman of Value, How to Thrive in Life and Love. And it's filled with 30 tips and exercises and stories and interviews from this show to help you step more fully into your value. Here's a copy if you're watching on video. It's available now on Amazon for Kindle or paperback. And every week I share a tip from the book on how to become a woman of value. This week's tip is step number 16, which is don't make assumptions. Oh my God. Well, you all know what happens when we make assumptions, (laughs) but um, we really jump to conclusions and judge and miscommunicate, misunderstand. And one of my passions as a coach is to help people communicate more clearly, more kindly and stop making assumptions. So my challenge to you this week is if you are making any assumptions, catch yourself, just take a pause and ask yourself, is this true? (laughs) Before I bring Maureen on, I just want to invite you, if you're not yet a member of my amazing Facebook group, Your Last First Date, please join us. We are 3000 plus women strong group, of very highly monitored. The conversations are positive, they are supportive. There are very few groups out there for single people where you're actually learning and growing so that you can go on your last first date. So join us there at your last first date. And now my guest, Maureen Scanlon, she is the founder and CEO of Maureen Scanlon Life Coaching. She's an award-winning author, a relationship expert, a motivational speaker, a positive change integrator, and a spiritual coach. And she's helped many people, from experienced professionals to young adults and couples. Welcome to the show, Maureen.
0: Hi, Sandy. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, and I'm so happy to be here to talk to a fellow um, ex-dater and happy in love, uh, uh, you know, uh, soulmate. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's amazing. I love like-minded people and. You only get that way through experiences, right?
1: Yeah, you were telling me before the show that you'd watched my TED talk and that you could relate. Uh, you'd been married twice, and now you're with your soulmate, your your twin flame. So, yeah, tell us a little bit about how you got there, and then we'll get into the topic about our animals and what we can learn from our pets about relationships.
0: Definitely, it, it was it was a long road, and. I, the reason that I started doing what I do, and I know that you did too, we, we learned through all those experiences and realized, wow, if someone had told me this stuff, if I had Facebook back then, I would have avoided a lot of pain and I would not have continued to break my own heart. So it was just really what I was telling you before the show, you inspired a message. And it said, when I loved myself conditionally, others did too. When I loved myself unconditionally, I would accept no less. Mm. And it really is that that's what we come to. And so helping singles that are out there that, we, especially if you get older in age and you think, oh, my time's running out, you will never run from what is destined for you. But the idea is you have to stay grounded in who you are and stay true to who you are and love yourself first. You can't get love if you don't love yourself first
1: it's so true it's it's the first step in my process when I work with dating coaching clients is to date yourself first because we don't even know what we need what we want who we are what is self-love we know self-loathing pretty well right self-beat up (laughs) I'm not enough but the self-love piece is so foreign to most of us and it really is hard to love to to attract love when you don't love yourself but if you listen to popular music that's not the message it's like somebody will save me and love me love me to love myself you know and it's ah,
0: absolutely Or, or even just that i have to have a partner to be whole You know, all those things that we grew up with, you know, um, my better half or two halves make a whole, you know, I really finally realized that I don't have to have a partner to be my best self. I have to be whole and then someone comes along and they have to be whole because I don't want to look for someone to fill a void in me. And so, a lot of it's just that programming from being, you know, raised with Disney princesses and, you know, (laughs) all that, all that sort of societal expectation. And I, I just, I love that you said the topic is assumptions today. And my husband and I call it transparent expectations. And it's assuming you should know because you love me you should know what I'm thinking you should know what I'm feeling and without speaking it and being honest and saying hey this is how I'm feeling because we change day to day our energy changes our wants our needs so I'm so happy of course of course it would be synchronized that assumptions (laughs) would be the topic for today (laughs)
1: yeah well I love the way that you and your husband talk about them because it's so true. I mean, we we live in this land of make-believe where, you know, if you loved me, you would know. If you, if you loved me, you would have cleaned the kitchen. Um, no, maybe I didn't see the mess in the kitchen because I was busy doing something else and it has nothing to do with you. So these are all assumptions that keep us stuck. And we have many assumptions in dating that keep us frustrated. So let's talk about the animals and how they help us overcome our dating frustration.
0: I I think we all, uh, most of us have animals and whether they're dogs or cats or, you know, something something that's really engaging with us and very compassionate and and loving. And I go with the dogs, of course, because they're a lot more expressive. A cat is not as concerned about your feelings as (laughs) a dog is. But it really, from the first book that I wrote, "My Dog Is More Enlightened Than I Am," to the second book, "My Dog Is My Relationship Coach," the whole premise was just me being stressed out and just sort of they they caught my attention one day and I looked at him and I thought, "Man, you got an easy life," and then I thought, "Wait a minute, I can have that easy life too." And so when we went into the second book. Uh, It was during COVID when everyone was really stressed out and everyone was saying, oh, either either people were breaking up or they were finding their true love, which was really interesting to me. I don't know if you experienced Mm -hmm. that also with your clients. And it was really neat because I think everyone started being more true to themselves. And so when it comes to the animals, they're always true to themselves. You don't see a dog faking it till they make it. They just do what they want to do. So, you know, when we were talking about dating, uh, I take my dogs to the dog park and they're not overthinking it before we go. How much do we overthink on before we go on a date? You know, we, we, we think about it. Oh, I got to be aware of this. Dogs don't do that. And that's, Following their lead and being that easygoing, do what feels good. We don't have to overthink it. Just whatever's supposed to come is going to come. And the more ease you are with it, the easier the process goes and it just flows.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's it's a lovely way to look at it. I think part of the problem is that most people's gut has been so damaged that What they think is their gut is actually just programmed thinking. And so they don't trust their gut. Or they've been told they're wrong so many times that they stop trusting themselves. So I mean, I see it in my group all the time. The the questions that get posted are often very common sense sounding. It's like, how many days should I wait before unmatching somebody who stopped talking to me? I mean, how many days do you want to wait? how much energy do you have for online dating that you're going to sit and let all these messages just lay empty and not do anything for you? Like, I know for myself, if that happens to me, I'm, I'm off like within a day or two, like, yeah, that person might've been busy, give them the benefit of the doubt, but then people just aren't, thinking they're like maybe is there a formula is there a right or wrong you know what do I say what do I do you know and it's just like be a pet be a toddler (laughs) you know toddlers go to the park they make friends with people they don't care what color you are what shape you are they just talk to people
0: you're so right and And when it comes to dating and love and romance, we just overthink and we think there's a certain way to do it. Well, there's a certain way to do it. And there is a formula. The formula is if it feels good, do it. If it doesn't, don't do it. Just don't (laughs) ignore your instincts, just like the dogs. They don't ignore their instincts. They go by what feels good. If they want a nap, they take a nap. If they want to play in the yard, they play in the yard. And as humans, we get in our own way. And that's why I love the animals. They they teach us so much and they accept each other. They're really accepting. And I think you had talked about in your TED talk, which I really loved something similar that I experienced is, you know, when we grew up, there were these examples and I had, I, I love my parents, but I didn't see a relationship that I wanted and so, but that was the only example I had so I carried it out into the world and sort of had this codependence with my parents that I carried out into relationships got married at 18 years old I mean what do you know at 18
1: not much <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew nothing but I was codependent and in my marriage and I know that you had talked about this as well I felt I had to earn love And that's really what I love to tell people is you don't have to earn love. You're lovable. You are as perfect and amazing and lovable as, as you think you are. So if you want someone to love you, be as lovable as you think you are. And that's really it. We don't have to earn anything. So my first marriage was really just earning it and I could never do enough. So not believing that I was lovable, I felt my actions and my effort had to be way more than just just who I am as a person.
1: Such an important point. I, I was on with a client this morning who was talking about the guy she's in a relationship with and he is always doing, always, always doing. Like it doesn't stop. He runs several businesses. She's also extremely productive. And I said, my concern is that you don't know how to be, <laughs> that <laughs> you don't know how to stop and pause. She's better at it than he is, but she's going like, what do you mean by be? And I'm like, rest, um, like his idea of, of being is cleaning with an audio book in his ears, right? <laughs> it's just, so, I mean, it's, you burn yourself out and really just being present with a partner, being present with yourself, you know and again our pets know how to do that they know how to like sit and chase a tail or chase a squirrel or you know just be
0: right right and that's that's such a great point because what happens is we sort of life gets in the way of living and you're not nurturing that relationship and then suddenly you're going why isn't this relationship working well how much work have you put into the relationship you put into your job you put into kids and dogs, dogs are continuously finding something to make themselves feel better. They find joy, they will stop. I want to take a nap or, you know, they, they, they go in the yard and look for something new to do. So it's like that in relationships, we have to put the effort in for mixing it up, keeping it fresh, keeping it fun. The house will be there, you know, (laughs) the job will be there. That's not what we're here for. We're here for those relationships and the effort that it takes to really stay focused and grounded on why am I with this person and how fulfilling is this relationship gonna be? And most of us, you know, if you've had any divorces or relationships that um, didn't, um, that ended, you look back and you go, huh, well, I didn't tell her I appreciated her. I didn't take her out on dates or I didn't tell him how much I respected how hardworking he is. But it's that close the barn door after the horse is out. So remembering (laughs) we got to do this as we go along and make it that priority and not the housework.
1: Mm. Appreciation. I mean, you said a lot of important things. The um, nurturing the relationships we have and creating that time so important, and and I would say it extends beyond a romantic relationship. I I know that I have two of my adult kids living with me, and we have we try to eat together every night if we can. We we have a lot of rituals that we do together as a family to bond. You know, we may be watching a silly show on Netflix, but it's a bonding moment. This is the show I watch with this kid. And this is the show I talk about with my adult married daughter. And, you know, it's, it's just ways to find that we can connect with the people that we love. And that's super important.
0: I completely agree. We get lost in the minutiae of our days and our weeks and our months. And I always tell, you know, my family and my clients, think about when you pass away and people are at your funeral are they going to talk about what a good housekeeper you were are they going to talk about how much money is in your bank account no they're going to talk about those memories and that time you spent together and as a mom of three adult children myself i'm a better grandparent now because now i really cherish the little things and i hear my adult children say mom, I remember when you used to take us to the park and we'd feed the ducks. And I thought that was so insignificant at the time for me, because I was a single parent and trying to make ends meet and do laundry and homework. (laughs) And it made me look back and think it's the small things. You don't think it's going to matter, but it does. And so now it does. Yeah. With the grandkids (laughs) now I cherish just those little teeny tiny little things. And, As a parent, sometimes we think we got to do the big things. Oh, we got to have a Disneyland trip or it's got to be a big production. And it isn't, it's the dinners like you talked about just um, in related to relationships. I call it couch time. You come home every night and you check in with each other emotionally, mentally, physically. How are you feeling today? How how are things going? How's your health? You know, do a little Mm check-in. So whether it's relationships or family, Let's, let's do a temperature check all the time. So we know that no one's not getting their needs fulfilled, right? Mm, couch time. It's important. How old are your, how old are your grandkids? So my grandchildren are nine. Well, she'll be nine on the 30th and seven and four, almost 14. Oh, wow. <laughs> I know. Can you believe I cannot believe I'm going to have a 14-year-old grandchild. you look
1: too young, right?
0: (laughs) I look in the mirror and I go, wait, I'm only 25, right? Oh, okay. (laughs) Where'd that time go?
1: (laughs) But it's such a wonderful thing, though, because first of all, we have a different kind of time that we can spend, and we're talking about nurturing relationships. I have three grandchildren, um, and they live in Israel, so... With COVID, I haven't been able to see them in almost a year and a half. And we've been connecting through books that I read to them on Zoom, uh, like audio, uh, not audio, eBooks. And they get to pick them and then I read to them. And they, they have like, a, again, a ritual. They'll sit down for dinner. Dinner is seven hours later. So my noon is their bedtime and um and i'll read to them if i have time in my day and it's such a special moment like they they go oh we're having pizza let's call our grandmother and have her read to us so it's just so sweet and i just got a a beautiful little audio note from my six-year-old so they're six four and one and um Oh, and so the babies. six, yeah, but the six year old just left me a message and she said, right, did you get your second vaccine yet? Cause you can come visit us for Passover because you make the best matzah braai ever. And she was just like, <laughs> so, so cute. And I did not get my second vaccine. I just got my first one this week, oh, but yeah, goodness. I can't wait. It's um, but again, it's like, because I have been there for Passover and I have made her food that she likes. She has a memory, and that's how we create these memories.
0: And how amazing is that, that you can be in two separate countries, and you're making that time. I always tell everyone you have the same 24 hours in every day. Don't tell me you don't have time. You <laughs> have time for what you make a make a priority, right? So anything yeah. that's a priority. You'll make time for that. And I just love that you do that because, again, it comes back to, I remember what grandma's food is like I remember grandma reading to us and you're making that effort a country away because I have a daughter in Austin who's getting married in October and my biggest fear is oh I'm not going to be there for <laughs> my grandchild that you just gave me hope we can we can FaceTime we can read books we, yeah. can, we can do it all thank uh, you for that yeah
1: there's so many ways to connect and Yeah. I I just think you're right. We all have the same time, the amount of time. And even if it's 10 minutes a day, you know, it's again, it's like that connection time when you're focused on the person you love, they remember it and you remember it because it's mutually beneficial. So let's get back to our pets. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So you say that our pets can help us Stop attracting the wrong people. How do they do that?
0: If you watch how pets interact, so I uh, do. You have any pets? Do you have no. a dog or cat? Okay, you've you've I'm sure have been around the dogs and you've seen how they interact. When someone comes in my house, they know right away if they like them or they don't like them. There, there's no giving. You know, there's not like. Uh, a process that they go through. They don't give them three dates and, and, you know, (laughs) they don't say come back in five visits and I'll see if I still like you. They know right away if they like someone or not. And I think one of the things that we can take away from that is that when we go on dates, if you see those core values or some behavior or some feeling that just doesn't mesh with you, you don't owe anybody a second date you can say, you know, we're just not a good fit. And I was nice meeting with you. I appreciate your time, but we feel we owe each other. Well, maybe he was nervous or maybe, maybe he was just saying that. No, he, he showed you, or she showed you, this is who they are. If it doesn't mesh again, that goes back to, I want to fix these people. I want to, it might change later on. And so With my dogs, uh, they either like you or they don't, and they do like most people, but there are some people that I see behavior in them and go, whoa, there's something you're sensing. So maybe we should go with sort of our six senses. If something's off, go with it, feel it, recognize it, and just have open eyes. I think when we date, we sometimes forget to have those open eyes and see it for what it is and not the fantasy of what it could be
1: right? Mm. Don't date potential, date the person in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so I just want to clarify this because I'm sure some people listening have heard many dating professionals tell them, oh, you should give people at least three dates, five dates. Uh, you never know. Like you said, somebody could be nervous. So yes, yeah, some people can be nervous and maybe they talk about themselves too much or, do something like that but you're talking more about like a values disconnect or somebody says something or is rude to the waiter something like that right i mean because yeah just speak to the fact that some people will show up on dates a little out of sorts because they don't open up right away or whatever so what about those people
0: Uh, Absolutely. So with my clients that are in the dating arena, and they're getting frustrated with date after date after date, I have asked them to come up with three deep questions, because we don't have to do an interview, we don't have to do 20 questions on our first date. But you really want to figure out do I want to spend more energy going on another date? I tell my ladies don't waste your makeup if it's not a good fit. So I say, come up with three deep, deep questions that will resonate with what your values are. See how they respond to that. It's kind of a good indicator at the first aid. Like you said, being rude to the waitstaff. Um, you know, they talk about their exes in a really negative way, or they're not close with their family. They play the blame game. Those are really good indicators they don't like to take accountability for their behavior or they they blame each other or they blame other people they feel victimized so just three deep questions and you can spread them out throughout the date so it doesn't look so obvious
1: <laughs> not a job interview all right <laughs> but those are really important what you're talking about the um, the blaming and victim all that stuff and and just being unkind. I mean, those are things that stand out pretty quickly, and it's pretty hard to hide them. This episode is brought to you by Amazon Music Unlimited. Whenever I cook, I love listening to music from the 70s, like The Grateful Dead and Crosby, Stills & Nash, and my favorite, Joni Mitchell. With Amazon Music Unlimited, I can listen to over 70 million songs and thousands of playlists and stations. And you can now stream your favorite podcasts like Last First Date Radio. You can listen to any song, anytime, anywhere, on any device, whether it's your smartphone or tablet, your PC or your Mac, Fire TV, and any Alexa-enabled device like the Amazon Echo. You will never hear or see an ad, and you can even download songs and podcasts and playlists to listen to offline. Now, for a limited time, you can get Amazon Music Unlimited for free for 90 days. Just head on over to getamazonmusic.com forward slash last first date to claim this offer. I often say that men like to share what they think is their hero story right away they try to prove themselves by sharing a story and those stories are so revealing i've i've given talks about them i've shared a really funny story about how a man once told me a story that was so so indicative of how controlling he was he thought he was being the hero and he was just being so disgusting to his ex-wife and it was just like Okay, thanks for sharing that. And we'll never see each other again. (laughs) But it's like, thank you. I appreciate hearing that right away.
0: That's right. And and kudos to you for being aware of that. And I think that's really important. When we are dating to really sort of see what's verbal and what's nonverbal kind of read between the lines and what's behind that. And that is being really clear and being able to say, I'm not going to get lost in the hope of finding my my husband. I'm going to actually see, like you said, don't date the potential, date the person in front of you, but really being aware of what they're saying. What do they believe about themselves? Um, and I also think compatibility is so underrated. And that was something I had to learn because through the years I had learned opposites attract and you know when I take the dogs again to the dog park my chihuahua jade was so attracted to huskies for some reason that was her compatibility partner and she would (laughs) seek out these huskies but there were other dogs that would come up to her and she would just give them that little you know get away from me reaction and so compatibility I think is so important and We can't say, well, you know, I'm, um, I'm, I'm very religious. It's very important to me to go to church, and my family will be raised that way. And then you meet an atheist, and you go, well, that's okay. That's his own belief. It's going to at some time have to mesh, and there's going to be. You could cause conflict right off the bat. You could see that would cause conflict, and I do believe even the small things even if they're not the deep questions, but even the small things. So on my husband's and my first date, and this is going to be so silly. We sat down to dinner. First of all, I insulted him at the very beginning of the date because I was very guarded. I was very uh, Tootsie Pop. (laughs) 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 And I was, I uh, maybe subconsciously sabotaging and I walk in and we'd met online and I said, Huh? You should update your picture. You look a lot older in person. Ooh. I don't. Ouch. I know. And then I said, you know, um, I thought you'd be taller. I mean, those are like the worst things you can do. And he took it in stride, and he was super confident, and that was amazing. I thought, whoa, this this is not. The sort of narcissistic personalities I tended to, you know, Dave, who would attack. (laughs) Uh, He was very calm and cool. But the neatest thing was I knew within 20 to 30 minutes of that date, that was it. And one of the reasons, two of the reasons is he ordered the whole bottle of wine, not just a glass. So to me, that was, okay, he's got generosity, You know, he's not stingy. I don't like stinginess. I'm a giver. The more I have, the more I give. And the other thing was, I love food. And I love people that explore different cuisines and they're willing to try anything. And I remember dating a gentleman who didn't like butter on his toast and it just bothered me. (laughs) So I sit with my husband and he says, what looks, what looks good? And I said, well, I'm going with these two. He goes, let's get them both and we'll just share them. And I don't know why it seems so, it may seem like such a minute thing, or it may seem like that's a petty thing, but it's, it was a necessity for me. So sticking to my bar of what I wanted, whether it was a whole bottle of wine and sharing food, that's okay. That's my desire.
1: Uh, You know, it's not trivial at all. Both of the things you talk about have to do with values you have a value around generosity of spirit of, of, you know, it's not just about sharing the bottle of wine. That is a bigger issue. And a person who has a generous heart, especially if you're a giver, you've probably attracted a lot of takers. And so finding somebody who gives is huge and somebody who loves to eat, there's something about that. And I, I, I used to think these things were trivial too. I I dated a guy for a while who had a lot of eating aversions. He had like some childhood something. He didn't like certain textures. And I remember on our second date, like I liked him a lot, but I was was into exploring food. So I wanted to have a picnic. He was planning this really beautiful date that we were gonna travel to this lovely park and go on a hike and have a picnic. And I said, I'll bring, I'll bring the picnic. How about a baguette and some brie and a nice bottle of wine? He goes, I like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Like none of what I mentioned, but he wouldn't eat any of it. He, and so I would make a meal and he would. there was no pleasure. And that's important, you know, it's not trivial. It is really not trivial. And, and the same thing goes with aesthetics. You know, when I dated a guy who I thought was going to be amazing till I met him, he had horrible teeth and there was something about his whole presence that turned me off so much, his whole energy. And I felt really superficial and I felt bad about it, but I, I spoke to someone about it and she said, no, these are important things. They're not superficial. It's, it's, it was a whole gestalt of his person that I could not be with in person, but on the phone, I was building this relationship where there wasn't yet
0: one, right? <laughs> you were talking to the potential on the phone and yes. then, you, then you went on the day with the actual person. <laughs> yes.
1: yes, which is why it's so important to meet as soon as possible and not spend 30 hours on the phone before meeting. This was right after I Started dating after my divorce. I had no idea what I was doing. I wasn't a dating coach yet. And I was like, oh my God, he seems so sweet and we have so much in common. And he was sending me poetry, you know, roomy poetry. <laughs> he was making up poetry. <laughs> we were planning our future together. I, it, was, it was crazy. But now I see that as a red flag. And then I had no clue.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And I, and I call them non negotiables. So I have my clients create this avatar of everything that they want and you on your avatar, it needs to be your non-negotiables. And when you go out on that date and you see there's a thing that pops up, that's a non-negotiable that doesn't sit with you. I, I feel like we make so many excuses for others. We're so hard on ourselves, but we make so many excuses for others. And I also think when we have this, this checklist of of things that are non-negotiable, things that we really want. Others will say, well, you know, you should give him a shot or, you know, maybe, maybe your expectations are too high. And I think a lot of that came from, you know, childhood or, you know, outside influences that say, you're asking for a whole lot. My father said to me, and he saw me in, in terrible relationships. And he said to me, That when I was back out into the dating world, he said, you know, you're not going to find Mr. Perfect. And I said, yeah, no, dad, I'm not looking for Mr. Perfect. I'm looking for perfect for me. And there is a difference. And what you don't, what you think is perfection is different than what I think is perfection.
1: So it is so true. So Maureen, how can our pets help us stop relationships from fizzling out?
0: It was sort of that that idea that you see them consistently entertaining themselves so they find a way to do something different they they don't get bored dogs do not get bored they rust when they feel like it they they really find a way to continue to have joy throughout their day you don't see them getting mad or upset over anything so it's the same idea with our relationships, just keep finding something new and different. So one of the things that I love to suggest and my clients sometimes look at me like, oh, wow, is create a date jar. And in this date jar, you each sit down and you fill out these little pieces of paper that have ideas, little fun ideas, weird, unique, whatever. When you find you haven't been spending quality time together, or you're getting a little sort of mundane, you got to pull out that date jar and say, "All right, we're doing whatever it says." And some of the ideas in our date jar are pretty far fetched. So I'll give, <laughs> I'll give you. I'll yeah, give you tell one. me. One example. And these are actually great ideas for dates as well, whether you're in a relationship or you're dating, because it's hard to come up when you're dating a lot of people to come up with these new ideas for stuff. It's coffee and dinner, right? (laughs) So one of the really fun ideas that I have is you go to say like a thrift store, like a secondhand store, and you have a theme. So you You each go off in your own direction and you have to find a clown costume or a period costume or something green, you know, those kinds of things. You just make it fun and then you come back and it's like being little kids. So I think having that playfulness like the dogs is important. Sometimes we lose that inner child, just go and do something silly and fun, right?
1: I love that. Yeah, fun is... (sighs) Yeah, and and people feel like fun has to be massively big and planned in the vacation and go to Disney World and you know and you have to have a lot of money and fun should be part of your life on a regular basis. I know you're a life coach as I am and one of the things the tools we got at the beginning was a wheel of life and one of the parts of the wheel of life which includes all the key components to a, a balanced life is fun. (laughs) It's fun and recreation. And people usually have a very low score in that area. And I always talk to them about how it doesn't have to be complicated. And so I love this idea of just making it fun, even laughing together over something on a regular basis. That's so connecting and exciting and enticing and all kinds of good stuff. So I love that
0: it is and and it releases you know those endorphins it releases those chemicals that are joyful that kind of whoof release that stress i you know i write in my book about you know a sense of humor and we're all looking for a sense of humor you want someone that can joke with you and one thing as i was researching was how many different types of humor there were and i was really sort of floored i thought well there's really not that many types of humor. My husband is, uh, he's an engineer. So he's kind of a, I don't want to say nerd, but he would say he's a nerd. And so he watches these cartoons that are really sort of off to me, but I started watching them with him and I just shake my head, but I laugh with him. I go, this is crazy that, that this could even be on TV and their sense of humor and he will be belly laughing. And I think I'm more laughing at him than I am at the cartoon because he finds that so funny where I'm more the slapstick humor, you know, pet detective, you know, Jim Carrey kind of humor. Yeah. I just love silly humor. And he'll sit and watch it, you know, pan, you know, deadpan. But he again, laughs at me. So we find that difference in daring. We're still compatible that we love laughter, But there, you know, you can be a little bit different in some areas and still enjoy it, right? Yeah,
1: that's a great example. There are so many different types of humor, and I, I always have clients get really clear, like what is funny to you, because if you're writing in a profile, for example, I, I like to laugh. Well, everyone likes to laugh. Like, what do you laugh at? (laughs) And I was married to a comedian, and so, uh, yeah, and it was really interesting because we did. I wrote with him, and I helped him co-create programs, and we did something on Nickelodeon for, for three years. And we were very different in terms of what we found funny. I liked his stage humor a lot. He's, he's um, very slapstick, very silly. But in person, he was very different. And I am much more of an intellectual you know, irony, those kinds of things make me laugh, but I love Jim Carrey too. I love the Grinch. I love all those, those old movies.
0: You are definitely, you know, my husband's sense of humor. He, he's so intellectual, you know, being that he's a very mathematical, logical thinker. I'm very emotional and creative. Cool. So that's, that's interesting. And they are, they are different in, uh, you know, when they're not on stage, these, the comedians I had a, a girlfriend who was you know a stand-up comedian and she had a lot of things going on when she wasn't on stage but when she was on stage it's they seemed so light and airy and happy and well look at Robin Williams he yeah a really good example so I think when you make comedy a career, there might be a different aspect to that.
1: But. Yeah, it's, it's so complex. I mean, my my ex husband actually performed with Robin Williams and uh, in the streets of New York City, and and he brought him out to California to to do a, a Showtime special with him. So I have a connection a little bit with him and he actually you know people think he killed himself because he was depressed he had a terrible illness that was very painful and i think that was what ended up leading to his his suicide but i met so many comedians who were miserable people they were very needy off stage and on stage they were in their element but it all depended on the 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 audience, and if they did not get a good reaction, they would lose their power, and one of the things that I I liked about my husband was that he would ground himself, he would find a way to ground himself after a show so that he wouldn't be very egocentric when he finished, because it's very easy to go there, but let's get back to the pets, (laughs) because
0: we are going off on lots of tangents, but it's fun. (laughs) that's just the way it works you know you just kind of follow <laughs> follow where the rabbit hole takes yeah you. But right. I, I, I love that I love that I do I too
1: I do too so let's talk about a term that you coined called trustpect tell us what that
0: is oh this is amazing I actually uh you have to give credit to one of my Facebook uh followers friends and I had done a little research for the book to see what people thought was the most important qualities in a marriage or in a partner. And it was consistent with trust and respect. It was funny that love was not there, mm-hmm. but trust and respect was there. And someone had said that word. And I said, Oh, may I use that in the book? Because isn't it one and the same? You know, it really is. When we relate it to the animals, you think about when, how many foster animals that, that get adopted and they get they, they're not working out with that family and the family takes them back to the foster or you know, they've been abused over and over. and yet they give that shot. They give that chance to the next family that wants to take them. They're so unconditionally trusting. And I found maybe you did too. In my relationships in the past, especially my marriages, that I didn't have respect for the people I was with. I loved them, but isn't that what well, we always hear people say? But I love him. I, now I say love is secondary, guys, because obviously we can love a lot of people and we can have love for people, but you can't trust and respect everyone. So trust is a combination of I need to be vulnerable with you I need to know I tr- you you care for my feelings and you're going to value them and protect them, and the respect is I have to respect you as a person, in order to trust you and love you. So it's this trifold, but the respect is amazing.
1: That's a great. It's that's a really great term. I agree with you. I think that I definitely was not respectful or respecting. Or respected, really, and that is not does not create a foundation for a relationship that can sustain crisis and all kinds of other things that happen. And I was interviewing a woman recently who's, um, whose whose show should air around the same time as yours, and she was. Um, it took her a long time to find her husband, I and mean, she's probably in her thirties though. I, I don't know how old she is, but she was always going after the wrong man. And she finally worked with a dating coach and she now is a dating coach, but she, she found this man that she was already who already was in her life, but he was not a romantic interest, but he was somebody who was loyal and true and, um, reliable and trustworthy and she respected him. And it was all the basic foundation of everything she really needed in a relationship but never was her type. And they ended up getting married and unfortunately he he got bone cancer. He had to have a partial amputation right after their wedding. Like they rushed their wedding in order to have a party with their friends. And then the next day he had the amputation. But you have to have a strong foundation in order to start your marriage with that, I mean, you have to have a strong bond and trust and, and really care for each other on such a deep level to be able to withstand crisis.
0: I completely agree. And I think sometimes what we miss is the building of the friendship before the romance. So if you skip that step, you're missing that trust and respect. And that young lady saying, you know, he had shown loyalty and that's, that's, the building of it needs to start with friendship because once you're in a partnership, the friendship has to continue. It's not just you know rainbows and butterflies and you know it's, it's not just the romance and the flowers. And it, it really is a day-to-day friendship. Are you gonna be there when I need to talk? Are you gonna be there when times are rough? Are you gonna, uh, here's an example. I just went through chemotherapy mm. and I had skin cancer because I grew up in Arizona. And we used to lay out in baby oil as teenagers. We didn't have the knowledge about skin cancer we do today. So there's the three different types of chemo. There's topical, there's uh, infusion, and then there's oral. Well, this was the topical version of chemotherapy. And you put it on, and what it does is it brings out all the cancer cells. And you look uh fright. Uh, it is painful. <laughs> and it, you look like I was telling everyone I look like that. What's the animal on Dr. Seuss, who's yellow with the red spots? <laughs> I <laughs> kept feeling like I looked like that. And he would come home, my husband would come home and and I would say, Oh, look at me. And he'd go, you look beautiful. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. And if it would clear up a little bit, he'd say, look at look how pretty your cheek looks so Aww. isn't that friendship that's that's what you would want your girlfriend to say to you you want what your girlfriends or your friends your circle that supports you you want that same feedback in a partner that walks along and grows with you
1: it's beautiful you're feeling okay now
0: I'm perfect I oh, I'm, good I'm great and I, I literally work through it with that knowledge of I there's a reason I'm having it. It's, there's a reason I need this experience because someday Mm -hmm. someone's going to need to know what it feels like. And I can say, Hey, it's okay. This is what happened.
1: So, yeah, I think every, every experience we can then bring it to the next person this morning. I called a friend also in Israel who She's had cancer for many years and she's not doing well right now. She's just in the hospital and we have a mutual friend and she just told me she's not doing this. I called her. Turns out like she's just always is in good spirits. Like this woman has, I, I just admire her spirit so much and her daughter moved in to help her and her daughter just went through a breakup. So she's in the background and I'm talking to my friend and she's like, she's, my daughter's going crazy. So I'm like coaching her daughter now. And, and my friend said, she was so grateful that I was able to help her friend, her daughter because when I help her daughter, I help her. And, you know, and it's like, you you don't realize the impact you can have. And my experience having gone through breakups myself and with my clients and with my children I have a lot of experience with this and I can then bring that to her and tell her work on these things with your therapist, you know, these, this should be your focus. And so it's, it's, I mean, that's why we do the work we do. It's, it's just paying it forward. It's like you, you can make a difference in somebody's life and it's just such a beautiful thing.
0: It's so rewarding. It is, you know, you, you really have to have a passion for it and, you know, when you're in it, you know, it's your purpose because the joy that you get out of seeing results and seeing people embrace themselves and change their lives and really finally be excited and know that they can create it. And that is, it's just the most fulfilling thing in in the entire world. I, I think, and I discovered this dream later. I had been stuck in corporate world and I raised three kids that i mean i was in the job i was in the have to mentality not the want to so being able to heal from all of that brought my dream brought my husband and i said 10 years ago when i was in the worst relationship of my life with someone who was really a sociopath and um alcoholic gambler Mm -hmm. mentally abusive uh If you would have said, I'd be where I am at this moment, I would have said, you are crazy. I was walking with a cane. I had cervical cancer. I had, you know, it was just your mental and emotional health is so important to your physical. So being able to just overcome that. I always say this to Sandy, and I know you'll agree. When you can look back at those experiences with gratitude rather than pain, or anger, then you know you're healed, right?
1: Yeah, so true, and wow, <laughs> I, I I love, I mean, I'm sorry you had to go through that, but I love stories like this, and I can feel, I can feel your gratitude and your good nature from the minute we started talking, and you have not only that, but humility, like you, you are a kind person, and it comes through, and I think that that you know, that is something that you can't make up, you know? And to be able to go through really tough times and still be smiling and still have the spirit that is, I can do this, I can do the next thing. I can now influence other people and help people who might be in a bad place.
0: When you find that purpose and you're finally fulfilled in something, when you hadn't been for so many years to be 50 now, half a century and think wow it took me half a century (laughs) to get here but it had to happen that way there's no regrets there's no regrets and Mm -hmm. the only thing I would ever say to anyone that were in a relationship that has been going on and on and not changing and they're not fulfilled is I wish I would have spent a lot less time learning the lesson If I could go back, it's the only thing that I would change, not the lesson itself, but the amount of time it took me to learn the lesson.
1: Try to learn the lesson quicker, (laughs) Um, which actually brings me to my last question, which is what are your final words of advice for anyone who wants to go on their last first date?
0: And I love the name of this. This is just so, (laughs) it's so neat because everyone wants that last first date. So I just love that you're bringing this to the world. And you Mm. also, I have to return um, that spirit that you have. You just glow. You have just a glow about you and a peace, a peace about you. And I'm sure that didn't come easy. It took you (sighs) years to get to that peace. I would tell anyone Who's going through either a breakup or just trying to find their love. Focus, focus, focus on you. Focus on loving you. If you need to do things by yourself. uh, Hiking by yourself. Just going to dinner by yourself if you've never done that. Years I'd never done anything alone. And I finally realized I'm not only half of a partnership, I am a whole person and people will appreciate and value me for me. So I suggest a dating coach, I suggest a life coach, I suggest reading and researching anything that helps you, that makes you feel good and stay grounded in this thought. If it doesn't feel good, I'm not gonna do it.
1: Well, thank you so much, Maureen. This has been a really fun conversation weaving our pets into the love scene and tell our audience how they can find you.
0: Sure, thank you so much. I appreciate that. I am at www.lifecoachmaureen.com. And then you can also find our book. You can buy Sandy's book and my book and, you know, you'll have a project to go do while you go find your little soul journey and go for a hike and sit on a mountain. But my book (laughs) is my dog is my relationship coach and Sandy and I have a lot of the same ideas about relationships and it's about getting the love that you deserve. So that is on Amazon as well.
1: Well, we will have all of that in the show notes and uh, you can check out Maureen's wonderful books and her life coaching and all of her wisdom over on her website. Thank you so much, Maureen, for coming here today and sharing all of this with our audience.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Namaste.
1: Oh, thank you. (laughs) And thank you everyone for listening. And if you love our show, please rate and review us. It means so much to the success, the continued success of our show. We are 450 something episodes in, going almost nine years strong. And let's, uh, I don't know if I have nine more years in me, but but,
0: uh,
1: (laughs) rate and review us. And we hope you go on your last first date very soon.